0: Alright, well, happy Father's Day to all you dads out there, and uh, hope you get to spend a little time with your kids, and if your dad's still still among the quick, uh, hope you get to spend a lot of time with them. So uh, Glad to see everybody here today, and uh, hope you have a good day. Actually, I hate to say it, but we kind of had a hint of fall in the air this morning, didn't we? It's kind of, kind of hard to say that when it's still two days from the beginning of summer, but after 100 degrees on Thursday or Wednesday, it's very welcome, so not complaining one bit, right? not one bit. So yes, yeah, summer is upon us. It's getting hot. The days are long, but hey, we, uh, we can enjoy it, right? All right, before we begin today, we need to go over our prayer list. Um, Of course, Brother Skip still having issues at Northeast Georgia. Um, He apparently did suffer a stroke on the 13th and is still unable to move his left side uh, as of yesterday. So uh, please continue to remember him and Deborah at this time and uh, still going through those issues. Also, some of you may remember uh, Anderson Phillips gentleman that was here for years in a wheelchair, was in a wheelchair, remember him? He did pass away on the 11th, and so uh, he was former members, they're not members now, but um, can you remember Karen and Kayla and Phillips and the family uh, related to him as uh, he did pass, so please be remembering them as well. And then uh, anyone else do we need to be remembering today? Okay, let's go to our Father in Prayer before we begin. Our Father in Heaven, we praise you and honor you as our, our wonderful Father, our, our loving Father, our, our caring Father, our omniscient Father, our benevolent Father. and We just thank you for everything, all the blessings you've bestowed upon us. We are so blessed by you. We know from your word, Father, that you bless those who are faithful to you, who love you, Father, and try to obey your word, Father, and are children of yours. And we just thank you for everything that you've given to us and the promises that you've given to us and we ask that you continue to bless us and forgive us from our sins for we do fall short and uh, bring us home uh, with you in heaven and eventually uh, once this life is over we ask you to be with us during our class time today Father that we can take something from your word and apply it in our lives that's uh, meaningful and and, and helps us to grow spiritually and that we might be a good example to others we ask you to be with those that have been mentioned on our prayer list today Father those who are ailing, Brother Skip, and uh, mourning and passing of Brother Phillips and others. Father, we just thank you for these families and the people that uh, have been here and, and uh, working and serving in the kingdom here. And we ask you to watch over the doctors that are tending to them and uh, peace up and to be healed if possible. we we'll be back with us soon. We ask you to be with our nation at this time, Father, as the leaders make decisions regarding things in our world, they might seek out your will in everything that they do, Father. And we ask you to be with our families or this time uh, they might be healthy and safe and wherever they are and uh, they might be uh, more willing to serve you in a way that's meaningful to them and those around them. Father we just thank you for this congregation the people here, the heart they have for service the heart they have, the love they have for you and the love they have for each other continue to help us know how to minister to each other and to those around us in this community Father and we just thank you for the people here. Thank you most of all though for Jesus Christ who uh gave us an example of how to live in this earth, an example of uh, what you are like as, as God, and uh, we just thank you for that. And, of course, we thank you for his willingness to come and die for us, that we might have a hope of eternal life uh, with you, Father. We just ask again to forgive us and uh, go with us. It's in Jesus' name that we pray at this time. Amen. Okay, you can be opening up your Bibles to the book of Galatians. We uh, began a study there uh, a couple weeks ago. And uh, it's going to be a long study, but I think it's going to be very fruitful. Uh, we've got so much we can learn from the uh, book of Galatians, the letter that Paul wrote to the churches that he had established in Galatia. Last week, we talked about that salutation, that beginning. In fact, let's just go back and read that. It was very short, beginning in chapter 1, verse 1. He says, Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead and all the brethren who are with me to the churches of Galatia, grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins that we, he might deliver us from this present evil age according to the will of our God and Father to whom be glory forever and ever, amen. We talked a lot about that verse there about how he has delivered us grace by sending his son came and died for us gave us grace the ability to be saved for which without which we would be without hope and then he gave us peace he delivered them from this present age and we talked a lot about how he delivers us from this present evil age you know we we said we, we we look at the world today and we think man it's just going to pot right it is evil there is stuff going on in this world so ungodly man has fallen so far from grace right but yet, this was going on in the first century, too. It's nothing new. Cliff Solomon said in Ecclesiastes, there's nothing new under the sun, right? Sin has always been sin. Things that are going on today were going on then. And Paul writes to the church in the He says, he has delivered us from this evil age. And we talked about how that was. For one, he delivers us from sin. We have freedom from that slavery to sin. We have freedom from temptation. He gives us an out, right? We have ability to... To avoid temptation, and he sent Jesus. And one of the things that Jesus experienced while he was here was temptation. You say, "Well, he was God; he did not tempt."ed No, no, no. He was in the flesh. He was tempted, just as we are. I know that's hard to fathom, isn't it? Jesus wasn't really tempted. He's God. No, Scripture says he was man, and he was tempted, just like we're. He he actually struggled with something. Believe it or not, without sin, of course but he was tempted. And then we see how he talks about we are delivered from this world, this world that's passing away, right? And we have that promise of eternity with him. So we talk a lot about that. talk a lot about the fact that he is our God, he is our Father, and it's appropriate to talk about that today, right? On Father's Day. He is our ultimate Father. He is the example of what a father should be. And I know you all had a father, or maybe some of you didn't have a, father in your home i don't know but you had a father right somebody um begat you i guess you could say and maybe you didn't have the best example of a father and god through his benevolent love for us has shown us who the father is from his word right and from the word that became flesh in jesus christ we read about that in john 1 so we know who our father is we know what it's like to be a father through his example and what a wonderful example that is well today We're going to talk a little bit about, and I'm starting to sweat, so I got to get my paper. Okay, here we go. All right. So today we're going to continue in that first chapter, and Paul's going to get right into something. He has that first five verses or so of the salutation, describing about uh, God, how they've been delivered, and now he's going to get right into something. Let's read on, beginning in verse six. He says, "I marvel, I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him, him who called you in the grace of Christ." To a different gospel which is not another but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ but even but even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you that uh, then what we have preached to you let him be accursed as we have said before so now I say again if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what you've received let him be accursed for do I now persuade men or God or do I seek to please men for if I still please men I would not be a bondservant of Christ okay a couple things he's laying the foundation for but he begins right off the bat and says, folks you're leaving your first love why I marvel I can't believe it's already happening so soon I came there I worked with you Many believed, many were saved. I preached the gospel of Jesus Christ, to Him crucified to you, and now you're already ready to follow somebody else? Come on, man, come on. You can see him saying that almost, right? He's marveling that their timing is so soon to, uh, to move to a different gospel. Letting themselves be troubled by some who are perverting the gospel. I preached to you. He says, I preached to you. You don't need these others telling you. Don't believe. You don't need to be... Believing this, in fact, he says, You, if you turn to this, you are what? Accursed. Because that is a perversion of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's important to notice the difference between pure gospel and perverted gospel. Does that really matter? Does it matter that we have the true gospel? Does it matter if some might say something different? It's still Jesus Christ. You're still preaching Jesus, right? Well, Verse eight, and nine seem to say so, right? To accept a different gospel is to be accursed, right? Turn over to Second Thessalonians and let's read a couple verses from there. And we'll probably be jumping around. With that. I hate to jump around too much because I know it's hard to keep up. But we're going to jump around a little bit today because there's several different verses I want to read. First, Second Thessalonians, chapter one. And let's read uh, beginning in verse seven. He says, "And to give you, who are troubled, rest with us when the Lord Jesus revealed." from heaven with his mighty mighty angels Uh, in flaming fire, taking vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. See, Paul is saying, I preach to you the gospel. Don't listen to those who are trying to pervert it, right? Don't listen to those because you will be accursed. So today we need to be just as concerned about that, don't we? Does it really matter, Right? Does it really matter that someone's preaching something a little different he's still preaching jesus christ right i mean these folks were saying okay yeah i believe in christ but you got to do these other things these other things that paul said no 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 didn't preach that part that's a perversion well what are some of these things that we need to be concerned about what are some of these perversions that we can know about at least at least four we can talk about there are at least four there's that gospel that we're just reading about here that he's talking about being preached that gospel of faith plus the law of Moses, the law, right? That's what was going on here. Turn over to Acts chapter 15, and let's read about the council that occurred because of this. Acts 15, and we'll begin in verse, uh, verse 5, verse 1. <clears throat> Acts 15, verse 1. And it says, And certain men came down from Judea and taught the brethren, Unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. Really? Therefore, when Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and dispute with them, they determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain others of them should go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and elders about this question. So being sent on their way by the church, they passed through Phoenicia and Samaria, describing the conversion of the Gentiles. And they caused great joy to all the brethren. And when they had come to Jerusalem, they were received by the church and the apostles and the elders, and they reported all things that God had done with them. But some of the sect of the Pharisees who believed rose up, saying it is necessary to circumcise them and to command them to keep the law of Moses. Well, go back to Galatians, chapter 2. Let's look at something in chapter 2 there, right there in that same letter. Paul says something else. Chapter 2, verse 1. Then after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas and also took Titus with me. And I went up by revelation and communicated to them that the gospel which I preach among the Gentiles but privately to those who have reputation lest by any means I might turn or had run in vain yet not even Titus who was with me being a Greek was compelled to be circumcised. And this occurred because of false brethren secretly brought in who came in by stealth to spy out our liberty which we have in Christ Jesus that they might bring us into bondage to whom we did not yield submission even for an hour that the truth of the gospel might continue with you. He's continuing to write. Come on, guys. That's not what I preached. That's not what the gospel is. That's a perversion. First of all, it went to that council in Jerusalem. That perversion was refuted. Turn back to Acts 15. should have told you to stay in there, but let's go back over there and see what they said about that. I should have stayed beginning of verse 22 he says then, the, then it had pleased the apostles and elders with the whole church to send chosen men of their own company to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas namely Judas who was also named Barsabas, and Silas leading men among the brethren they wrote this letter by them, the apostles, the elders and the brethren to the brethren who were of the Gentiles in Antioch, Syria and Cilicia greetings we have heard that some of Some who went out from us have troubled you with words, unsettling your soul, saying, You must be circumcised and keep the law. To whom we gave no such commandment, it seemed good to us, being assembled with one accord, to send chosen men to you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul, men who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We have therefore sent Judas and Silas, who will also report the same things by word of mouth. For it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us, to lay upon you no greater burden, than these necessary things that you abstain from things offered to idols, from blood, from things strangled, and from sexual immorality. If you keep yourselves from these, you will do well. So when they were sent off, they came to Antioch, and when they had gathered a multitude together, they delivered the letter. When they had read it, they rejoiced over its encouragement. It's pretty obvious that they were pretty adamant about saying no. Paul and the other apostles, Barnabas, Silas, they were saying this is not the true gospel It's refuted in the council it's refuted in Galatians and it's refuted in other epistles of Apostle Paul Galatians 5 4 he goes on to say something else there let's go over there and read that real quick what does Paul say just begin in verse 1 there Galatians 5 stand fast therefore in the liberty by which Christ has made us free and do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage indeed I, Paul, say to you that if you, become a, if you become circumcised Christ will profit you nothing and I testify again to every man who becomes circumcised that he is a debtor to keep the whole law you have become estranged from Christ you, are, you who attempt to be justified by law you have fallen from grace He kind of makes it pretty simple right there, doesn't he? If you're going to be circumcised, you've got to keep the whole law then. That's not liberty in Christ Jesus. That's not our freedom. And if you do that, if you preach that, if you're going to continue to say that's got to be done, you've fallen from grace. You have followed a perverted gospel what are the kind of perversions do we have well there's one call we might call the gospel of works without faith this gospel was developed later in church history it exalted um, certain ordinances that could be done without faith right for instance infant baptism can an infant have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ yes or no no Acts 2.38, repent and be baptized, the mission of your sins. Does an infant have sin? No. First, we have faith. Faith comes by hearing the word of God. Can an infant hear the word of God? No. Like mean, I guess they can hear it, but they're not going to understand it, right? They don't know yet. So that's one of these types of aversions. You might say there's another type, in this sense. you know, someone... And I guess maybe in back in the crusade time when people were forced to be, uh, be Christians like the edge of a sword or something like that. But this was a perversion. We, we may not see this so much other than infant baptism, right, we can see it in that way. But it's that idea that we have to do something, doesn't matter whether you believe in God, if you do something, you can be saved. Whether you believe in or not, whether you believe in Jesus Christ. <laughs> this perversion is refuted. In Hebrews, turn over there, chapter 11. Let's see what the Hebrew writer says. Chapter 11, that great chapter of faith, right? Verse 1, it says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, for by it the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith we understand that the words were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible by faith Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain to which he obtained witness that he was righteous God testifying of his gifts and through it being dead still speaks by faith Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him for before he was taken he had his testimony that he pleased God but without faith it is impossible to please him for he who comes to God must believe that he is And he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. There it is, plain black and white, right there, right? Possible pleasing. Of course, John 8, 24 talks about, the Lord talks about our faith, how it's believing in God, keeping the commands and so forth. It is the faith of a working God that results in a new life. We talked about that when we studied Colossians, right? How we, through baptism, we are raised to newness of life Not anything that we did. It's the work of God. He raises us to a new life. We are dead to our sins, raised to newness, cleansed by the blood of Christ, to walk in newness of life. All right. And that one's something we probably don't really deal with other than someone who's, I don't know, maybe, say, he's a Catholic person that has infant baptism or some other. You might see that. And that's one way right there to refute that. I mean, that one is not so hard for me to see, right? Some people. don't get it I guess but that's easily refutable all you gotta do is go to Hebrews as far as I'm concerned there's another one the gospel of good works only this perversion is where people have the idea as long as you're basically a good person you will be saved you ever heard that one before oh yeah I know you have if you've ever had a discussion with someone at work or maybe back in school who's not a Christian who didn't see the need to be saved would say, "Yeah, I believe in God." They might say, "Yeah, I'm a Christian," but I think you know, as long as you're a good guy, you're going to heaven, right? Yeah. Or if you ever had a discussion with someone and say, "You got to believe in Jesus Christ, Him crucified," they said, "Well, I don't know. My grandmother was so loving." I don't know that she was ever a Christian, but I can't imagine her not being in heaven right now. She was such a good person. You ever heard that one? Yeah, they don't get it, guys. It does not get it. That's a perversion of the gospel. To back Acts chapter 10. Let's just read about some folks who kinda were in that same boat there. Acts chapter 10, verse one. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius A centurion of what was called the Italian regiment a devout man and one who feared God with all his household who gave alms generously to the people and prayed to God always about the ninth hour of the day he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God coming in and saying to him Cornelius and when he observed him he was afraid and said what is it Lord so he said to him your prayers and your alms have come up for a memorial before God Now send men to Joppa, and send for Simon, whose surname is Peter. He is lodging with Simon a tanner, whose house is by the sea. He will tell you what you must do. Turn over to chapter 11. Now the apostles, actually, let's start in uh, chapter four, uh, verse four, chapter 11, verse four. He says, but Peter explained it to them in order from the beginning, saying, I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision. An object descending like a great sheet, let down from heaven by four corners, and it came to me. When I observed it intently and considered, I saw four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, and birds of the air. And heard a voice saying to me, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But I said, Not so, Lord, for nothing common or unclean has at any time entered my mouth. But the voice answered me again from heaven, What God has cleansed you must not call common. Now this was done three times, and all were drawn up and again to heaven. At that very moment, three men stood before the house where I was, Having been sent to me from Caesarea, and then the Spirit told me to go with them, doubting nothing. Moreover, these six brethren accompanied me, and we entered the man's house. And he told us how he had seen an angel standing in his house, who said to him, "Send me into Joppa and call for Simon, whose surname is Peter, who will tell you words by which you and your household will be saved." Cornelius, devout man, giving alms to God had not obeyed the gospel. He was not saved. Oh, he was a good man. He was a devout man. He wasn't saved. Many other examples, right? What about the 3,000 on the day of Pentecost? Acts 2 says there were many Jews in Jerusalem to observe peace, Pentecost, devout men. What about the Ethiopian eunuch, Acts 8? went to Jerusalem to worship. What about Lydia? Remember Lydia of Thyatira? seller of purple? She was out worshiping God. But she didn't know the Gospels. How about Paul himself? Acts 22, Paul says, he was zealous for the Lord. He had been trained at the feet of Emmanuel, right? Very big time actor in the persecution of the Jews. I mean of the Christians. He was a Jew. Jew of Jews. But he wasn't saved until he obeyed that gospel. We cannot be saved by good works. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. By faith we are saved through grace. That not of itself. That not of works by, unless anyone's supposed to. Right? It's not good works. That's a perversion of the gospel. It's a common one, a popular one today. Yes, sir. we studied, I don't know if y'all remember a few years ago, we studied about prayer and how God hears prayers and how a righteous man, the prayer of a righteous man availeth much, right? But we read scripture. We, this was one, right? That the, he hears the prayers of those who are not Christians, especially when they're seeking, right? Asking, you shall find. seeking, you shall find. That is all part of that. That is true. Cornelius' prayers were heard even though he was not saved. And that's a good example of that. But we can also read scripture where you're not faithful it affects your prayer life that's very true too and that's a great study for another time we may get in back into that soon we, i think that was about four years ago when we were doing that we may need to do that again that's a good study but remember the only way to the father is through jesus christ he said it simple as that good works don't save you what's another perversion well there's this gospel called faith only right this gospel that says all you got to do is believe, and that's it. In fact, all the way to the point where people say you don't have to be baptized to be saved. And that's very common today, right? We see that big time. Well, well what's wrong with that? I mean, we just read in Hebrews where you have to have faith to please God, right? Which we talked about in Ephesians 2. It is by faith, it's like uh, grace through faith that we are saved, right? Not good works, lest anyone should boast, right? So what's wrong with that? Turn over to Hebrews chapter 5. Let's read something there. <clears throat> Hebrews chapter 5, and verse, again verse 7. It says, Who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications, with vehement cries and tears to him, who was able to save him from death and was heard because of his godly fear. Though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. And having been perfected, he became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him. Do we have people today who say, I believe in God, I go to church. But then you see them out there in the world and they're following all the junk in the world, right? They got kids who are shacking up before they get married. They don't have plums about going out and partying with everybody and you know getting drunk or whatever. All that stuff is okay, right? And you got those who say I'm a Christian, but they hadn't darkened the dirt of the church doors of a church building in 30 years, right? <coughs> Faith's going to do it? said, those who obey him, right? Paul proclaimed what he called the obedience of faith in Romans 1. Paul and Peter warned of those who obeyed not the gospel. Turn over to 2 Thessalonians. Let's see what he said about that. Beginning of verse 7, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. And to give you who are troubled rest with us when the Lord Jesus, who was revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. There's that obedience thing again. What we just said, works don't save you, right? Well, many have trouble with discerning the difference between works and of merit from works of God. What do I mean by that? John 6, let's turn over there. John 6, verse 28. Then they said to him, what shall we do that we may work the works of God? Jesus answered him this is the work of God that you believe in him and whom he sent." Hmm. turn over to Romans 10 and see about what he says there Romans 10 verse 9 that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God is raised from the dead you will be saved for with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with a mouth, confession is made unto salvation. Interesting. There's a more to this apparently. Turn over to Luke. Chapter 17. Verse 10. So likewise, when you have done all those things which you are commanded, say, we are unprofitable servants. We have done what is our duty to do? Works of merit do not save you. You can't do enough work to save yourself. It's impossible. The only way you're saved is through the blood of Jesus Christ. It had to happen. God had to do it. Yes, ma'am. good point yes they leave off certain things right they leave off the parts about oh well you gotta obey the commands, you got to do these things because of why what the father did for you and these things are not works of us it's not works of merit that save us you may have heard many say that baptism is a work right They use that to make an excuse to say it's not necessary into salvation, right? And I say to you, baptism is not a work of man, not a merit, not of merit, it's a work of God. That's what we're talking about here. There's a difference. In our lives, through our obedience, we receive that grace. We are not saved to just sit in the pew, we are not saved to just live out our lives and exist. We are saved to do the works of God. And through through that, he is glorified, right? Turn over to James chapter 2. Whenever I have to talk about this with someone, James is always the best place to go, right? Right? James 2, and let's begin with verse 14. He says, What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? Thus also, faith by itself, it does not have works, it's dead. But someone will say, You have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works. And I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that there is one God, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. But do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham, my father, justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Do you see that faith was working together with his works, and by works faith was made perfect? And the scripture was fulfilled, which says, Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. You see that a man is justified by works, not by faith only. Now, is James telling you right there, you got to work your way into heaven? Absolutely not. Go back and read that what he talked about Abraham. And by the way, when I've had discussions with this, people, you know, I get stoned in my face first. Romans, when it says Abraham believed and that was accounted unto him as righteousness. I get that thrown on my face all the time. They always use that one. But read what James says about that. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? Do you, not, do you see that faith was working together with his works, and by works faith was made perfect? It wasn't just the faith. Yeah, he had to believe. But that work that was produced through his obedience perfected it, completed it. That's how he showed that faith, and thus he was counted righteous. So anybody that tells you you can just believe and that's it, you don't have to do anything, is per, perverting the gospel. Don't get me wrong. I'm not preaching a work salvation here. And you'll hear that too. You Church of Christ folks, y'all preach work salvation. No, I'm preaching you are saved by grace through faith. That might have works, as you suppose. But through my works, you will see my faith. And that because of that, it will be counted under me and you as righteous. Your version? What version are you reading? New King James. That's right. God is at work through what we do. Not because of anything that we've done, not because of any great work that we did. We're humbled because of what He did for us. Through that love that He had for us as our Father and made us children, heirs to the throne through adoption. Serve in the kingdom. How's that done? We're in the church here on earth, our little heaven on earth, and we do good works, which is what we were created for in the first place. Yes, ma'am. David says, yeah, even the demons believe, right? That's right. Yeah. That's right. The demons didn't know who who was. That's right. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. God does the work of saving. We read that many times. Mark 16, Acts 2, Colossians 2. We studied that recently. Galatians 3, when we put on Christ. Romans 6, which when obeyed, causes others to thank God. And you can think about that with Paul, right? Paul became the apostle to the Gentiles. Thank God for that! Because I don't know, I doubt there's anybody, maybe maybe somebody's got a little Jewish heritage, but I don't think you've been practicing Judaism any time recently, right? You know about the gospel through those who preach to the Gentiles, right? I mean, yeah, you may have heard it from a Jew too, but thank God for that. God said he loved the world, and he sent his son for the world, not just to Israel. So there are perversions of the gospel. There were perversions of the gospel going on at that time. There are still today. Um, you can think of some others back then. We read about Gnosticism, which was going on, which basically is a, a type of humanism that you might see today. It's, it's, it's men's knowledge denying that Jesus came or denying Jesus was in the flesh. Gnostics, you actually had Gnostics among Christians in the first century who were saying, actually, Jesus didn't really come in the flesh. It's more about that inner being. We're, we're part of God, you know, that kind of thing. And that's refuted during Paul's letters too. You might think of some other things today that are kind of a perversion, right? How about Mormonism? Coming from an angelic revelation. If you know the history of Mormonism, I'm not gonna get into that, that's another study. But Joseph Smith saw an angel, right? Angel told him that Jesus came and visited the Indians over here in America after he went back to heaven. even if an angel yeah exactly we need to be careful to receive the gospel preached by the apostles not even an angelic revelation should be something we should pay that attention to if it doesn't match what we read about in here then we better be careful about it we better make sure we better go read the word and make sure it jives with what god said and Word of God in here. Word of the Lord. Yep. There's a there's a there's a Greek word for that. I think it's called synecdoche where you can't just take this verse or that one. You got to take the whole. Absolutely. Absolutely. The entire Word of God. So, if not even an angel or angelic revelation is something that we can believe, or, or and we need to be careful and reject that. How do we know? There it is, through the word, you got to believe it. You can't just part of it. You can't say, well, this is from God and this is not, like some do. Got to take the whole. You got to be in prayer. You got to be studying it. And you got to be at work, in service. I've said that so many times, and I know you're probably tired of hearing it, but it's true. Absolutely, there are perversions of the gospel. We need to be weary of that. Jim and I were just talking about a little bit of well, We've got a lot of stuff going today and the way things are accepted now, right? Same-sex marriage, homosexuality, you know, you're, you're enlightened because you think it's cool to be gay, right? Yeah, I know. my kids experienced that in school. I remember them coming home and talking about a friend who, they, who came out, right? When I was in high school, somebody did that. They would have been laughed out of the building. Things have changed, obviously, but it's nothing new under the sun. And you could say, "Stuff what comes around goes around," right? But remember, we believe Jesus Christ, and we take Him as our Lord and Savior—not just the Savior part, as our Lord, we obey the gospel and we live an abundant life through Him. All right, our time is up. Thanks for being.